Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 93 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for spending part of your week with us today. You can follow the show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself on Twitter at JustinHughes365. And you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, which is on Facebook, as I just said. And over there, we have over 2,100 members that are talking baseball every day of the year. There are league openings. I just posted a few days ago and started another draft and hold and league. And there are dynasty league conversations going on. People looking for dynasty leagues and people looking for members for dynasty leagues. So if you're interested in any of that, you can join our Facebook group. And finally, we would appreciate, be very appreciative if you took a moment and left us a five-star rating and wrote a nice review for us on iTunes It's a good way for helping us get our names out there. All of that stuff is in the show notes, so if you're looking for any links, you can go over there and find it. On this episode, it's part two of the Rotomasters Draft and Hold recap with Chris Winder and Andrew McQuiston is going to be taking over again as the host. We recorded this the other night, and here, after I finish talking, we're going to listen to rounds 11 through 50 and Andrew grilling Chris and I Wondering what the heck we were thinking when we took whatever player. Okay, I'm joking. Chris Andrew was nice. But anyway, here is part two of the Rotomasters draft and hold recap. Enjoy. All right. So we will uh we will resume here with rounds eleven through twenty. And we're just kinda gonna talk about these rounds more so in groups now, um, as opposed to reading them all off and stuff like that. But I guess first off, we haven't talked about it a ton, but did you guys have like a closer strategy? I mean, obviously we're 10 rounds in here. Um, you know, Justin took her in check in round eight. Chris doesn't have a closer yet. Do you, have you guys, uh, are you thinking about closers or what was just kind of your general closer strategy going in? We'll start with, uh, we'll start with Chris. Yeah, I wanted an established one. Um, but I kept missing them, like I mentioned earlier. So I wasn't going to reach for one. I think that's the main thing with, with all the uncertainty in this draft. So, like, I'm looking at, you know, round six, I missed out on Chapman. Round 10, I missed out on Nick Anderson. I wasn't going to move guys up just to grab someone that can fall apart. Like, I'll just, I'll just keep building my offense up and just keep taking bats I like. And, you know, hopefully I can string together some saves and be okay and middle in that category. You're not kidding, Chris. I'm just now, I just, as you were saying that, I'm like, I kept going down every other round and looking at the closers that went after you picked. And they're so far away. And I'm like, man, I don't think I would have jumped up to take any of those guys that went afterwards either for a while to where, yeah, you really were not in a position to take a closer unless you really reached on one. Yeah, I, I feel like it's tough this early in the off season with with a lot of these guys because you're kind of guessing. What about you, Justin? Were you any specific strategy with that? Or perfect world, I would have taken Chapman in round six. I really like that value of getting him there. Um, once I missed out on him, I definitely had my eye on taking a Karinchak or a Rosenthal type player in round eight, and ended up taking him. 
I did. I didn't know what I was going to do with my second closer at that point. I knew I had one, and I was going to either take good relievers, and I ended up taking one in the middle teens. I'll just mention it now because I don't plan on talking about it later. Is Richard Rodriguez with the Pirates? I was happy to get him because the Pirates are another organization that doesn't like signing people, and he finished really well with that closers gig. And I took a few more Pirates at the very end, hoping I could lock that down. So I'm pretty happy with my closer situation coming out of it. Okay. Yeah. So with uh, with Chris is here. So we've got um, Schwarber and Senzel at uh, the fourteen fifteen turn. I like that turn a lot. I think I actually messaged you when you made those two picks. I thought that was good. Um, really liked Carlos Santana in round twenty. Uh, just kind of talk about whichever of your picks in here that you like 11 through 20. Uh, was it strategy to wait on starting pitching, whatever you want to talk about? Yeah, I really wanted to build on my offense. Like I mentioned, I was, I didn't have a lot of starting pitching. I only got two through the first 10 rounds. So my point was just like, let me just build up my offense and get as many, you know, bats I like and just keep pounding the offense. And I, um, Picks I liked, I like Kep- I like Max Kepler in round 12 as well. I think he's kind of forgotten in Minnesota. That lineup's still good. There's no reason why they can't bring Nelson Cruz back. Um, he can hit 30 arm runs, and, you know, he's making improvements each year. He hasn't been a guy that played a lot of baseball, and he just keeps improving year after year. Um, down year last year, but that can be Babbitt-reduced, and it just wasn't a, you know, it's a weird year. Um, and like yeah. you mentioned, the Schwarber-Senzel picks, you know, Schwarber's, you know, now he's gone. Who knows where he's going to sign, but... You know he's gonna get on base. You know he's gonna do the right things. You know he's gonna, you know he's gonna hit. And I was just looking for guys that are gonna hit the ball. Um, you know, I was just, you know, looking at good on base percentage. I know it's not on base percentage league, but that's a factor. Guys that can put the ball in play because that makes things happen. Um, that was kind of was my strategy there, just keep pounding, hitting. And you know, that was kind of where I was looking at. That's a that's a really good point about I want to what you just said about on base percentage is a factor, even if the league isn't on base percentage. I think too many people don't think about this. And I love that you brought it up because it's, I always think about a guy's on base, whether or not it's an on base league, because if you're on base is bad enough, you can lose playing time outright Yep. In, in, you know, real life playing time, which obviously affects your fantasy value, even if it's a batting average league. So, um, I like that you brought that up because it's just something that's constantly on my mind too, as I churn through a draft or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. And another thing to point out, I didn't take a lot of risk. I'm not going to, I can't because I don't have that. I don't have, you know, my team isn't built to take a lot of risk. I don't have that pitching and all my guys have playing time. The riskiest pick I took was Mitch Hanniger, but if he's healthy, it's like, you know, I, why is he's going to play if he's healthy? And I, I think yeah. the health concerns are gone. I like he's doing pick. baseball activities now. And I just think, you know, he's, that's the upside pick I was looking for. But I'm not taking a rookie there. I'm not going to take a rookie because I can't afford to do that. Cause I have, I have to hit on my hitting. I have to, you know, perform on my hitting. I can't take a risky hitter. I can't take a risky pitcher because I don't have the flexibility to do that. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Uh, Justin, so a little bit of everything in these rounds. Your boy Hosmer, a couple outfielders, a couple starters, a couple catchers. Explain uh, explain why you like Hosmer so much. Took him in round 11. And um, any other thoughts you have on these guys? Talk a little about Lorenzo Cain, too. 
Eric Hosmer is going to be re- the reason why we have to split this into two shows. I'm going to tell you this now because you asked me about him. I'm just now you're going to have to listen to me talk about him. Uh, Eric Hosmer only played 38 games, so I think his 2020 performance is going under the radar for a, is going to go under the radar for a lot of people. Year after year, Hosmer has been one of the worst recognizable name players in the sabermetric world until this last year. Since 2016, his ground ball rates percent-wise have been 58.9, 56, 60.4, and 56% coming into 2020. His fly ball rates in that time frame were 22%, 24%, I had, had those backwards there, 19 and 23%. And he clearly made mechanical adjustments in his swing in the offseason. Ground ball rate in 2020 was a career low 46%, and his fly ball rate was all the way up to 34%. If you look at his page on Baseball Savant and look at any year before 2020, you'll see a lot of blue. And if you're not familiar, that shows where people are in the percentile on a lot of statistics, like WOBA, expected batting average, barrel percentage, slug. And if you look at 2020, it's all red, including the exit velocity and hard hit rate, which were always good before, but everything else looked bad. Now there's a whole lot of red. And most importantly, his launch angle went from being somewhere between negative one to four during all those seasons I mentioned before, and it was a career high 8.7 in 2020. Clearly, he made changes to his swing. It looks really good. He had an injury in the middle of the year with to I think his thumb or his finger broke it and missing those games I think that really is going to affect it like people's it's going to make him overlooked by a lot of people he's hitting the ball in the air now he's driving in a lot of runs 36 RBI and 38 games and he has the same loaded lineup around him going into next year I think he's going to have the best year of his career approaching 30 home runs maybe even eclipsing that and driving in over 100 runs so, like I said, Eric Hosmer is going to be the reason we split this show in half. <laughs> um, you asked about Lorenzo Kane. Uh, I got a quick question with Hosmer. Okay. Do you worry? Do you worry at all? So, you talked about the blue in previous years and the red this year. The previous years are 162 games. Mm-hmm. This year was 38. Does that like factor in with you at all? I mean, is it because obviously there's not as much sample there with yeah, I mean, you you could argue that he had a hot month, or a hot you know a hot month and a half, whatever, and a lot of guys are capable of that. So I'm just wondering if you've thought about that at all, or I don't. I would have to really go in and look month by month, but I bet there's never been months where he's had flyball rates like this. I just I think it's a swing change. I maybe I will get bit, and if I get bit, I'm going to get bit hard on this. <laughs> Because I've got him in Dynasty League, I got him in this one, and I'm probably going to have him in more redraft leagues as the offseason goes. But no, I th- I'm firmly on the belief that this is a swing change. But maybe, yeah. For the record, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking if no, you it's thought a good about question. it because it's such. I mean, it's and I've been trying to think about that. I I think I mentioned it before, but with every player, because when you look at those red bars, blue bars, whatever it's a lot smaller of a sample from 2020, you yeah. know, so. 
And if he if he was still hitting the ball on the ground 55% of the time and he had these same stats, I'd be saying, okay, this is a fluke. Definitely, and his ADP was up in this spot, I'd be saying no. Um, yeah, I get it. You did ask about Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain. Yes, you asked about him. Year after year, he's been a source for 10 home runs and up till 2019, his last full season, 25 to 30 steals. And then he only stole 18 in 2019. Um, I think it'd be foolish to project even 20, but I think he's a really good hitter still who should be good for 10 home runs and 15 steals, 10 10 and 15. Not a sexy pick. I'm hoping he's not toast. But on that same note, I was was pretty quick to, when we got into the reserve rounds, to take, because he was my fifth outfielder I took, and I was pretty quick to take like Adam Eaton and made sure I got a couple other guys that got at bats because... Yeah, it could go south. I I will agree with that. I I don't think I reached for him. I took him at or after his ADP, so I really didn't feel like I was reaching. Wait, to wait, him. wait, wait! Agree with that? I never said anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, but previous th- conversation. Yes, I, I think you did tell me that you're not a, you're not a fan. What do you think, Chris? What do you think, Chris Lorenzo Kane? What do you think? He plays a good outfield. You know, it's a, that team's good. He's going to play. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I'm not expecting a whole lot. Um, you know, 10, maybe 10, 15. Yeah. I don't know. With a good average. And I think that's what you're kind of hoping for there. Yep. Um, I wanted to ask about a trio of picks in this draft that neither one of you were involved in. At the end of round 12, picks 177, 178, and 179. Back to back to back. Jared Kellenick, Wander Franco, and Gavin Lux all went. Rank those three for 2021. We'll start, we'll start with Justin. Oh, I wanted you to pick him. Uh, oh, Chris. Um, I think Kellenick's going to be up pretty early. It's either Kellenick or Lux, one and two. I think Wander... I, I just don't think I have the guts to take him there. Well, I, I wasn't even considering Kelnick yet for another round or two. And Lux, man, I just don't. I, I worry about the Dodgers. I think we talked about this before that I think he'll be on the strong side of a platoon and unless he's raking against lefties in the early going. And they have so many other guys that destroy lefties that I just don't see Lux getting full-time at bats. So... Maybe I have Lux last because of that. In a weekly league, that's frustrating to have a guy who's on the short side of a platoon in the 12th round. So I'm going to put so, Kelnick number one. I keep going back and forth on these other two. I, I just think that I'm going to go this Wander. Is just for, this, is, this is just for 2021. Yeah, I'm going to go Wander number two and Lux third just because I don't think Lux is going to play every day unless he just absolutely soars. What do you think, Chris? Um, yeah, I got Kelnick one. I think that's pretty easy. Um, I think in, if you if you're gonna take these guys, you gotta. It's almost like you gotta handcuff them. And yeah. going back to like, you know, I don't handcuff in football. We can talk about that later um, if you guys want. But uh, I think you gotta take in this in this drop and hold. You almost have to like take the guy who you think he might replace just in case if something might not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Chris, like Chris Chris Taylor. Yes. So if you're gonna take Gavin Lux, you better take Chris Taylor. 
If you're going to take Kelnick, you better take uh, Mitch Haniger. You better take another outfit, you know, get another outfitter in, in the Mariners that you think he might take over for. Um, so I'm, going back to your question, I'll rank it Kelnick one, Lux two, Wander three. Um, yeah, that's, I got that's my order. I got concerns with Wander. I don't think he's, I, I don't think he's going to be up this year. Um, Whoa, this year? Uh, this year? No, I don't think he'll be up in 2021. I just have concerns with him leaving the Dominican League with the injury. I know they're not saying it's not a big deal. Um, Vidal Brujan is carrying it up in in Tampa Bay. I mean, in the Dominican League right now. Um, I think he'll be up before Wander. Um, I will I, say, I will say this. I am absolutely floored right now that Justin, you say you'd rather have Wander than Lux. I am absolutely floored. Hey, I'll say it for this reason. I think if Wander comes up, he's going to play every day. As compared to Lux, I just worry he's. Not. Yeah, but if he comes up, I mean. Yeah. Well, I just we just did an over under. I don't want any of games played, and you overed it. Yes, I and I, I think I said he'd get like I'm, a strong I'm side like of platoon. Stunned. I just don't want to own. A, I don't want to own any three of the three. Yeah, no, it's fair. I just am like. Um, but at I'm, least I'm going to take the I would shot. Easily, I would easily, easily, easily have Wander third. Here's a, here's what I'll say. This is why I did it. I think that Lux has more at bats at the end of the year than Wander Franco, but. If Wander Franco comes up, he's going to play every day. As com- and in a draft and hold, I don't want a guy who's just on a short side of a platoon taking one of my positions. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, fair. not not a short side, but a platoon player. You don't want a platoon bat in round twelve. That makes total Bingo. sense. You don't. I'm going to take the not, shot, I, but I don't yeah. want any. I don't want either of them. Yes, I think we all agree. We the only guy I would take in that round is. Kelnick, but I don't even take him that round. Maybe two rounds later. Bing. Oh, I want Kelnick. Yeah, yeah Kelnick everywhere. I guess that's big one. Yeah, it's one seventy-ish, one eighty. Yeah, yeah. I not... think I took him. I I've gotten him in both mine. I took him in. I think round thirteen and round fifteen. So a little yeah, after this, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of those. Th- those are the. These are the type of guys. If you want them, you just have to take. Yeah. So I just thought it was an interesting, uh, interesting little trio there. Um, one other pick that I have to highlight that shocked me in these rounds was Matt Manning at the end of round 15. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on this or what, but just to summarize. So he went at pick 225 here. And um, the earliest he's gone in any NFBC draft and hold is pick 318. And his ADP is 439. He went ahead of Scooble and Mize in this draft. I am pretty speechless, so I'll just ask if either one of you have any thoughts because I, I just don't understand it at all. Nope, I didn't like it. I I mean, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan. But. Ahead of, I mean, it's not that I'm not a fan of Matt Manning. Like, yes. That's not it. I mean, I think Matt Manning is a very good prospect, potentially will be up this year, all of those things, but Scooble and Mize are the same thing. And they're already there. Yes. You know, I just... Wasn't Manning dealing with some sort of arm understand. and elbow problems, too? I think so, yeah. But I'm just trying to understand it. I Like, over Scooble and Meisen, I just I just don't get it. No. I didn't know if you guys... Yeah, I don't get it either. You can take him in three rounds later. He's really the first... Matt Manning was kind of that first pitcher, that first young pitcher that kind of went. Like, Mackenzie Gore went the next round. You could have waited... Three rounds of school bull, like you're mentioning. Um, there was a couple other young arms back there in round 17, 18, 19 that you could have waited for. Spencer Howard and David Peterson. Yeah, those three guys in round 18 
you know, and Scooble, Peterson, and Howard. Like, there's no reason to push him up. You know, I guess Evan really liked him. I mean, he could be he could be up early, and it could be wrong. I mean, I will say that. I mean, if he's up right away, it's probably fine. But this goes back to just surprised me a little. Our previous conversation about the other three bats we were just talking about. The prospect kids were pushed up in this draft, and Chris and I both. If you go up and look at our first. 20, 25 rounds. I'm not going any further down that yet. I don't think either one of us took a prospect. I think we, we, because this goes back to getting at bats. Get, I mean, and just getting games pitch, innings pitched and at bats. I want to get guys that I just believe are going to be on the field unless I think they're going to be up in the first month. So I, I get it with Kelnick because I do think he'll be up right off the bat. He may sign a contract tomorrow a six-year deal and be up opening day like a Luis Robert was. Wouldn't I don't know if that if that's in the cards or not for him with um, just where he's at and if he'd consider that. But if he was to sign that deal, he'd be up opening day. So I get that one. But I just I don't want to take guys like that or Matt Manning that I just don't know when they're going to be up in a draft and hold. Yeah, one thing I'll say too is some with – a lot of those pro- a lot of the prospects that you are taken throughout these when they are called up is obviously going to influence things drastically i mean you could there could be a guy that and there will be there will be plenty of them that slip through the cracks and go in the 30s and 40s and yep. they're up early and then there will be guys that are taken high and they're not up as soon as you think and they should have went lower so um, there's a lot of volatility there and yeah, it's just kind of it's kind of tough to call in the mid- middle of winter. I just I don't know. I just guess I kind of felt like with Manning, I not too. I feel like there's a lot of question marks. I guess is the best way to put it. Any other picks you guys want to highlight here? Or you want to want to move on here? Yeah, I kind of like what Benny and Ryan did. Um, you're gonna take a risk. Do it. They took Chris Sale in round 13. They took Noah Syndergaard in round 15. Luis Severino in round 16. You don't know when the start of the year is going to be. If we don't start till you know, middle of May, those guys could be up, you know, till end of July pitching. So I liked it. You know, you're going to do it. You know, it's not, you know, you're not paying 150 for an NFC draft and hold. So I, I liked it. It was, it was interesting. Man, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm gl- I, go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. Okay. No, you're good. Go. Chris, I'm glad you brought it up the way you did. I actually wrote that down as something to highlight, and I hated it when they did it. And I told them that uh, we were we have we have a group chat, and I'm like, man, I just I couldn't bring myself to taking all three of those guys because I'm. Th- I, but in my mind, I was thinking about the league starting in April, and I don't think that's going to be the case now. I don't think we're going to start in April. It might be May or June, and that makes that look so much better than it is if the season starts in April. So that's a really good point that I never even thought about before we started recording. But if we start in April. I hate it because it's just like the prospects. You're digging yourself in too big of a hole trying to fill innings in the early going. I think it's just too much. I I don't mind taking Sale or Syndergaard specifically. I'm not sure I'd want to take Severino. But the idea of taking them all three of those, it's just too many innings lost in the early going. I think you're just digging too big a hole. But, again, season starts in May or June. Yeah, that that looks great. Yeah, Chris Chris Sale is uh he's a different animal to me. Um in round 13, I love it. I love the Chris Sale pick. Severino is totally different in my opinion. I like 
I get that these guys are probably better pitchers than the other guys going in this range, obviously. But I think there's just a lot of questions I have with Severino, like coming back strong. I mean, Chris Sale's been an ace his whole life. Like, if, you know, every time he's been out there, that's what he's been. And I just feel like there's a lot more uh, uncertainty surrounding Severino. It's been a long time since he's pitched innings, all of that stuff. Like I'm confident sales going to come back and be pretty darn good. Severino. Uh, we'll see. Like, I'm just not, I don't feel as good about it. And Syndergaard, I'm kind of in between, but just those two specifically, I, I do like the sale. I just, I don't think I would have doubled and tripled down on it. I got to, you are asking other thoughts about picks. I do have a couple others. I was wanting to highlight. Um, I had my cue wiped out pretty good right before my 14th round pick. Uh, Graham took Joe Musgrove, the pick before me. I thought that was a real good pick. Andres Jimenez was somebody I wanted to get just in case VR didn't work out. I'd have two stabs at getting steals out of the middle infield. And it wouldn't bother me if even one of them worked out and the other one didn't because there are just middle infield guys in the reserve rounds. I, I felt good enough having as a middle infielder if that didn't work out. And um, let's see. Nico took him. And the other thing I wanted to highlight was I was thrilled to have decided to wait on catchers. I took them and still land James McCann and Carson Kelly in the 19th and 20th round. McCann has been a solid catcher for a little while. He was a backup in Chicago when the White Sox signed at Grandal. But McCann was a free agent, and I felt confident he'd be starting somewhere. So when I took him, he was still a free agent, and I think that's what had him knocked down. I was thrilled to get yeah. him and Carson Kelly as my one-two, and sure enough, the Mets gave McCann the four-year deal, and I'm sure his ADP is rising right now. Yeah, I like I like uh, I like McCann too, especially yeah, like you said, it's discounted because he was a free agent, but he should be uh, should be pretty good for the Mets. So, all right, let's move on to uh, rounds 21 through 30, and all I gotta say is death taxes and Justin drafting Garrett Richards. Dang straight. <laughs> what round was it? With 23, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything. I just had to throw that in there because I know that's your uh, that's your guy. But um, the Class A Karinchek pairing happened in here, right? Yep, it did happen. Yeah. I think it was in the late 20s. What was interesting about that pick is a couple uh, reliever spec guys went right before I took Class A in the 26th round. And I knew, like I looked at his ADP and it was around 400. So in my head, I was thinking 26th round is probably 25th, 26th rounds when I need to take him. I passed at 25, and when it got when I saw those spec closers go before it got back to me, I'm like, all right, it's time to take Classe. Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, really smart actually. I I'm not huge on uh, Karinchak in his spot, but if you compare it with Classe, I like it a lot more, just to lock up those uh, saves especially in draft and hold. Uh, Chris, Clark Schmidt, I saw you grabbed him in round 27. Um, how much How much time do you think he gets this year? How do you feel about him? Yeah, the Yankees' rotation is a mess. Um, Michael King and Domingo Herman are penciled in right now at 4 5. I don't know, in roster resource. I just don't know. Um, Steamer hasn't predicted at 70. I think I'll take the over if we start in April. Um I don't know if we do. If he pitches like he did last spring, 
if he pitches like he did in spring training, remember, if you go back, I know it's a long time ago, but February, you know, when we're actually going to go to baseball games and go outside. What? He was the – he yeah, go back to those months. He was the one that everyone was talking about in spring training. He was lighting it up. He was he was everyone's talk of the town. And um, I don't know what the Yankees plan on doing. They're going to, like, skip people or do up and down. I don't know exactly. But I think I'll take the over if we start in April if he does well in spring training. I think he'll have a rotation as far as he starts well in spring training. I, and if he doesn't, then, you know, it can be, you know, July, August until we see him. But you never know. So I do. It's a good flyer pick, you know, just because, like we talked about, the Yankees are a good team. And they could have a rotation spot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I know we kind of talked about that pick when you when you made it. So definitely with you. I would take the over, too, if it was uh, starting in April. Obviously, you kind of just base it on that for now. But may not happen that way also loved uh love miggy in round 30 i think that's a pretty good value pick this year just for counting stats and stuff especially in a draft like this so. yeah all about up bats in those rounds bingo yeah. just justin you you nervous at all about wainwright retiring possibly round 27 i think it was uh no i'm not um from what he's been saying on twitter i feel pretty confident he's pitching this year honestly I hadn't even considered the thought of him retiring until I saw this question in the show notes, and I still not concerned about it. If I'm wrong, I guess this will be a bad pick. But yeah. uh, he tweeted he's coming back, and unless he just hits a really cold market, which given how well he pitched, I think somebody's going to sign him. Speaking of, just because it happened tonight, did Howie Kendrick go in this draft? I don't think he did. I can look real quick. I was trying to see. I just I just thought of it because I when guys get to a certain age, I just always feel like the one risk that we don't think about this time of year is retirement because they mm-hmm. can do it. Yes. And I did and uh I definitely and took that in Kendrick, consideration with a couple guys yeah. in this draft, but Wayne Wright yeah. is definitely not. Can took him in round forty seven, so it's not that big of a deal. I know Can loves uh Howie Kendrick just because the Oh yeah. The average. Yeah, it's not a yeah. huge deal. Yeah, the average and then that position flexibility there. But yeah, he went, but it's round forty-seven. It's like, eh, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of your, a lot of your flyers in that round aren't going to do anything mm-hmm. anyway. So, but yeah, it's just you want to be playing from 50, 50 man roster instead of forty-nine at the same time. So, um, few picks I just wanted to highlight. I really like in this range. Alejandro Kirk, he went in round 21, and Ryan Jeffers in round 23. Um, I think that they can both overtake uh, Danny Jansen and Mitch Garver as the starting catchers on those teams. And I think that there's enough upside with those two. I think they're both good hitters and just kind of on the upswing and ignored enough. I mean, obviously we're middle rounds here and in a regular redraft they're going to be late round guys if they're drafted at all but i think they're like really good guys to get as your second catcher and just see what happens because they're going to play and uh you know even if it's part-time to start out or whatever but i think they're going to be productive when they play kirk's hit everywhere he's been and um jeffers was good too so i definitely definitely like those two 
Hey, Andrew, if I draft in like March, April, like February in a standard draft with not a draft and hold with waiver pickups, would you consider drafting three catchers? You know, normally we don't do, but like you pair like a Kirk and Jansen and see who gets the job or Jeffers and Jeffers and uh, I can't, I'm blank, Garver. Would you do something like that? Uh, maybe, maybe if it was like the last round or something. Usually, usually. If it's like, are you saying like a thirty-round draft where you yeah, like pick up thirty-round draft with a lot of times? Yeah. yeah, a lot of times what I'll do in a draft like that is when I get to round twenty-nine, thirty, I'm just looking for a short-term anything. Like, give me a week to see if this guy's the closer, or give me a week to see. Oh, this guy faces a bad offense week one. Uh, that's all I'm drafting in those two rounds. So yeah, maybe. Yeah, if it was something where it was like. I took one of the other catchers and I wanted to see who had the job. You would, you would hope you knew by a certain point, but yeah. Um, yeah, possibly. I, I just kind of use, cause it, you know, the last round or two, especially in a draft where there's pickups, you can do whatever you want with them. Cause you're going to end up dropping those guys anyways. So. I, I knew Andrew, was gonna, I knew Andrew was going to say that when he said 2930, cause I remember his suggestion to me last year was to take Jake Arietta with my 30th round pick because he was facing, I think, the Marlins that first weekend. Yeah, so it was like a, that was when the Marlins were a good matchup, and yes. Jake Arietta wasn't as terrible as he is now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that didn't that, work out. Doing outing, Justin? I don't remember now. I don't think I actually <laughs> right? got Arietta. I actually, I actually don't even think that they wound up happen. facing. Oh, I think yeah. the schedule changed or something. Oh, yeah, that was when we drafted in March, and that was before COVID. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. He pitched yeah. great. No, that's a good that's... strategy. Yeah. Uh, a couple other ones I just wanted to highlight real quick, and then I'll go to you guys. But um, Jackie Bradley Jr. in round 24, he's kind of exactly the type of guy that I look for in drafts like this when I've taken a shot on a guy like a Kellenic or something higher in the draft that I'm uncertain of the at-bats, you know, Kellenic, Kirilov, Adele. There's guys all over the draft that are higher, that go higher than this. And I just always feel like Jackie Bradley Jr. is going to get it back. He was actually pretty good last year too. So um, always like him as just a guy that I can plug in as my fifth outfielder until a better option comes along. And then um, I've got to bring up, Jeter Downs in round 30, who Lucas took. Um, I want to give Lucas some credit here. He's he's helped me get a lot more in on him on Jeter Downs than I've been in the past. Um, there's a clear opening in Boston at second base. Until they sign Jonathan and, VR. And I feel like that there's a pretty good chance that it'll be uh it'll be Downs' job soon. So, you know, whether that's right away. Halfway through the year, we'll see. But it's a round 30 pick. He's a really good prospect, kind of across-the-board contributor type of guy that I feel like can come up. And, you know, if you're the starting second baseman for the Boston Red Sox, there's some nice flair to that. That's a nice piece to have, you know. So um, I definitely uh, I definitely like that pick. I actually made that same pick in my draft. draft. Me and Lucas, have uh, we've talked about Jeter Downs a lot this offseason. Yeah, I like it too. That's a good point. Any other uh, any thoughts on any of the other guys' picks or any of your own in these, yeah, these of, rounds? There's two of my like, I guess. Uh, Robbie Ray, Graham Sigmund around 24. When he went to Toronto, it wasn't as bad. I think he just he was in his head too much last year. He changed his mechanics. 
walk rate soared. You know, you're going to get K's from him. You're going to get a lot of strikeouts. And from in round 24, at least you know he's going to give you strikeouts. And then if you get anything else, you're better off. You know, maybe in the beginning, just, you know, check matchups when he's not playing the Yankees or maybe, you know, just see what he's doing. But I think he could, you know, he could perform better. I just, I think that's a good flyer pick in round 24. Um, the other one I liked was Evan White. Lucas took him in round 25. That guy is not going to strike out 40% of the time. There's no way. He hits the ball way too hard. He jumped from double A to the majors. Um, it's just a good, he's going to play every day. Um, and I think he's going to, you know, that Mariner lineup can be better. And I think he's, he's, he's a better hitter than that. Yeah, I should, I should probably, I've always been um, kind of a Ray guy, but I should probably be more in on him, especially at this depressed price. But depressed is a good word, I guess, because that's how he's left people feeling this last year or so. Yeah. Just brutal. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's so, I think it, I think it's, I actually worry, I worry a little bit with him just not starting regularly at this point. Mm-hmm. And that I think is um, is kind of why I'm pulling back some on him. But if he gets regular starts, he's going to get strikeouts. I mean, there's no doubt. It's just the walks have kind of gotten to a point that it's I'm bad. not really sure what. Yeah, it was, there was a seven in the handle of his walk rate this year. Seven, Oof. seven yeah. walk for nine. I was like, oh, yeah. My it's like God. you can you can deal with it when it's at a certain point you know in the fours or whatever it's like he could do stuff to overcome it but it's just gone even further south and it's almost like there's just a point where he's not going to get he's not even going to make starts i feel like if it continues but that said i mean toronto doesn't have the strongest rotation so maybe they just keep rolling him out there any any um any thoughts on any of these picks justin or i did want to highlight miguel rojas because i took I mentioned that there are middle infield options you could take in the middle of rounds to fill spots if things go wrong with VR. I, I definitely wanted to get Miguel Rojas. He's not a flashy name, he but he had a really, really impressive season this last year, um, walking and striking out pretty much the same amount of time in 40 games. And he's never been a high strikeout guy, so he's usually going to hit for a decent average. And provide, I think he'll be around 10 home runs, 10 steals, steamer projection for 11 and 10 i just think he's a nice safe option to have if you need yourself a you know getting at bats and that's really the thing highlighting from my 20s is it's all about getting at bats i didn't take a single prospect until round 33 in this draft and i just felt really good with getting guys that i felt like if something happens to one of my starters i can plug this guy in and feel pretty confident he's going to be getting innings or at bats and yeah yeah, I just as the prospects were getting pushed up, I went the other way and was just trying to get veterans. Yeah, there's definitely an argument to be made for just drafting a ton of innings and at bats and just fading all the prospects. I, I mean, I think you can definitely make that argument in a league like this. Innings especially. It seems like every year I've done draft and holds, I think this is my third or fourth year doing them. Fourth. And um there's always been a struggle to get innings out of starting pitchers. So when we got into yeah. these reserve rounds, I made it a priority in the 20s and early 30s to make sure I got three or four starters that usually are throwing 150 to 200 innings year after year. And I really focused on that between Wainwright, Quintana, 
Mikolas had the injury last year. I think he's going to be ready to go. Hopefully he's okay and Duffy. So I, I really pressed hard in the early going of the reserve rounds to get starting pitching. Yeah, it's, it's definitely important. All right, so we'll go to the kind of the final 20 here, rounds 31 through 50, and just have you guys kind of discuss your strategy here at the end, what you were trying to do. Um, kind of down the stretch of the draft as you kind of filled out your team. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Chris. Yeah, so going back to the top, like in the beginning, my strategy wasn't, you know, it didn't work out for me. It wasn't the ideal start that I wanted. So I had to pick, I had to change it up. And I um, I just hammered hitting, hammered hitting through the first 30, 30 rounds. So in these last later rounds, it was all about pitching. And um I was reading a little work. Jeff Zimmerman wrote a great article about drafting holds, and he was all about you're more likely to hit on pitching in these later rounds than hitting just because those at bats. And it made a lot of sense to me. So when I was just going through my draft in the beginning, keep taking bats, keep taking hitters. And then these last rounds, it was all about pitching. Um, my goal was to have 25 hitters and 25 pitchers. Um, through the 30 round, first 30 rounds, I only had, I only, um, had 10 pitchers. So I knew it was kind of like it was all about pitching. So that's what I was all about doing in these rounds. And then um, picking some category guys. I knew I, I needed a steals guy. I wanted an average guy just trying to fill categories for a couple bench bats. Yeah. What about you, Justin? Going back to something you've told me about two years ago that you heard somewhere. In a draft and hold, you want to have – your bench basically be to where you could have, if every, basically you could make an entire other lineup. So that was my goal through this is get another lineup and get a lineup of guys who I think would be playing at least some, if not all the time. So again, trying to get at bats and filling a lineup. I got those pitchers, like I said, in the going in all the way up into the low thirties with starting pitching. And then I went out and attacked a lot of bats and then at the very end, I, I think there's a lot of spec closers that you can get at the end of a draft. And I honestly didn't even look at my draft the last five rounds. I just threw a bunch of spec closers in there, put it on an auto queue, and took a bunch of those guys mixed in with a couple, pro, with one prospect and an outfielder. But it's just about filling two lineups to where as guys go down, you've got another guy to where you can plug in there as long as they're playing, and I filled up my team with that. I mean, when you look at my team in total, I think I have one, two, three, I think I have four or five total prospects on the team, which means I almost have two full lineups. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely good. One, one thing I like to do sometimes is, you know, if I'm going to take a shot on a prospect or a guy that I think is at risk of not getting a lot of at-bats, I like to spread it around so I don't have a lot of that at one position, if that makes any sense. So, you know, I might take a shot on a first baseman. Then I might take a, if I take a shot on an outfielder, I might take a shot on a pitcher, but I try and spread it. So, you know, I'm not taking multiple shots at one position because obviously if none of the guys are up, you're not going to get any at bats. So it's kind of good to, uh, do that i think and just prioritize those innings and at bats for sure um couple questions chris you took miles straw in round i think it was 33 um 
How many at-bats do you think he gets this year? you think he plays regularly, or what do you think in there? It depends on what Houston does, obviously. But going back to what my plan was in these rounds, I was pretty much done with hitting at round 35. Um, just all I needed was two catchers because I want a total of four. So like I mentioned, I just wanted guys that can fill a category if I was behind. So Miles Straw was my my speed guy. Um, if he gets every day at bats, he can, you know, he's looking at 25 stolen bases. Um, right now, the Astros only have really three outfielders on their 40-man rosters on their roster. I was looking at it earlier. A couple of those guys, a couple infielders can play outfield. Um, the Astros have money to spend. I, I would imagine they re-sign Michael. They bring back Michael Brantley. That fills up an outfield spot. Um, but there's still two openings right now. It's Straw and then um, Tim McLeod's guy that he's talking about, McCormick. Um, those are the and then it's um, and then Tucker and Wright. So there's two outfielder spots and there's really no one else out there. You know they're bringing back Brantley. So if Miles Straw starts off hot, he can have that job in center and just run with it, and he's going to run. And I don't know, batting ninth in that lineup, he'll still get you what you're looking for. Yeah, I think uh, I think Brantley's going to the Braves. Huh. That's my prediction. So what does the outfield look like in Houston? You think? Um, I'm looking at the free agent list right now because I was curious. Same thing. Obviously, Tucker. I just heard the Braves mentioned for Brantley, and I just thought it was interesting. I like it. Jackie Bradley Um, Jr. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Houston, Houston will probably sign somebody. I, I took Straw in my first draft and hold this offseason right around this spot, and I have him in Rotomasters 3. Um, I would love to see him get regular run because I think he's going to run wild. I think he'll steal a ton of bases. Maybe I, the- wonder if, I wonder if he gets it, and I don't think he has any power. I mean, it's going to be – virtually a zero homer guy or close to it but i do think that he could steal 40 bases even if if he got regular at bat so you know we'll see on that i'm just kind of curious it's going to it's going to come down to what houston does i mean there's guys that they'll sign that will play over him obviously and he's probably a fourth outfielder but any type of regular run there i think he's going to be coveted in fantasy because he does what everyone's chasing and that's steal bases Any thoughts on that? Or... <laughs> Sorry, Silence. I no, go. Yeah. I don't have much to add. Uh, Justin, Roberto Osuna. Uh, I took him in round, I think it was 36. Uh, any thoughts on where he lands or kind of what you were thinking there? I have no idea where he lands. I looked at Is it... roster resource and I just I thought about it and I'm like, I'll just take a stab and say Philadelphia. So there's my stab. Ah, there you go. Say Philadelphia, but honestly, I don't yeah. care where he goes. He very well might not throw a pitch this year, but I love getting him this late as a stash just in case. Because if he is able to pitch, he's probably closing yeah. somewhere and has the potential to be a top five guy. And if he's not, it's late enough that I'm like, okay, I can deal with a wasted pick here. I mean, it's like taking a prospect that you don't know if it's going to come up. That's what you're looking at with Osuna, except. If he's healthy enough to pitch, he's probably pitching at a very high level. So I I like him better than a lot of prospects for that reason. Yeah, no, that's uh, totally fair. I actually agree with you for the most part there. Um, couple couple picks I wanted to highlight. 
Nate Lowe in round 32. Hmm. Was this was this uh, was this after the trade? No. Or was it? It was before. Was it really? Yes, it, it was, was before. After. No, we we were talking about it. He had already been taken when the trade happened. Okay. Because he Just, wouldn't have uh, gone and he would not have fallen that far had had that happened already. Yeah, for some for some reason I thought it happened and then he took, got taken like right after that. I bet Nico would know. He's the one who took him. You know right? what? You might be. <sighs> I'm pretty sure I'm right. Actually, actually I think you might be right. <laughs> or, he fell. At least I think it, it like rings a bell or something. I yeah. He I want to say I looked at it and then he got picked right after he got traded. Basically. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what I was thinking of. He was still. That's why he fell is because he was not yeah. signed, and then he got signed and he got taken immediately. Yeah, because it was during the draft when that happened. What um, what do you guys think of him? You think he pans out or? Chris, you go first. He's gonna he's gonna play every day. Um, then you always wonder like, why would a good organization trade him? That's your concern, right? Yep. They know something other, t- you know. They know something about him, and you know what I've been hearing is he can't hit fastballs. And if you can't hit fastballs in major league, you got some issues with you. So, um, I, I don't know. I I think it's a good flyer around thirty two. He'll move up. He'll probably definitely be in like the late twenties, mid twenties. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, it's a good, it's good, it's a good stab. He's gonna get at bats. He's gonna play. Um, but I do, I do worry a team like the Rays trade him. They know something we other teams don't know. Yeah, Tampa is cheap, <laughs> and they're not going to give away a cost-controlled player with little to no service time for no reason. So yeah, they got her. What was the trade? Roberto Hernandez and who else did they get? It was some other. Yeah, there was uh, a slave is Basabi. There were, it was a few prospects. Yeah, 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 it was a couple. But those prospects are like in you know they're young and far away. They're yeah. far off. That yeah. tells me that they are worried and got out. And yeah, I mean, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me and I hate, it's not, I hate to say this, but it it could be AJ Reed all over again, especially if you hearing you say can't catch up to fastballs. That's the name that just popped in my head. Hey, they got, they got G-Man Choi, man. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, the thing. that's, and that's what I was going to bring up. He's not blocked. You know, he doesn't have a guy in front of him. That's, you know, anything special, I guess, you know, Choi's a platoon bat. I just don't get like it's not like he there's a prospect blocking you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of funny to think about. Yeah. Um couple other ones. I know Chris took uh Belazovic, Jordan Belazovic, starter for the twins in round thirty nine. I like that. Him and Nick Lodolo. I took um I took both of them in my two separate drafts, so just wanted to mention that. And then I have to share a funny story too. So in round 45 and round 46, <laughs> Benny and Ryan drafted J.J. Blade and, or I'm sorry, Jesus Sanchez and J.J. Blade. Back to back. I know where this is going. <laughs> so I want to say about two days or maybe the day it was one or two days before this. You guys were probably like in round thirties to 40, probably around round 40. So a few rounds before this, I sent just me and Justin were just talking, you know, he was talking to me about the draft and stuff. And I, I sent him a message and I was like, we were just talking about stabs for the late rounds. And I was like, 
You know what you should do? You you should you should take Jesus Sanchez and JJ Bleday. Because between the two of them, I bet you get a useful hitter. You know, basically, but one of them should get enough at bats that you'll get a useful hitter out of it. And it's late. In, it's late enough in the draft if you're getting a useful hitter one out of every two picks. That's all you need. You know. And um, we're in a separate chat, like Justin mentioned with with Benny and Ryan. And I tell you what, when they took him, those two guys, because they didn't know anything about it. Like we hadn't discussed it with them or I hadn't, you know, any of that. And uh, when they took those two back to back to back or back to back, I screenshotted that conversation and plopped, <laughs> plopped it right into that chat. So thought it was uh, it's oh, pretty yeah, funny that, that they just, took him. That was just yeah, that was just so funny. I had to hey, mention it. Andrew, it's a great strategy. You know, um, it's a great idea. I was trying to, you know, we always go back to our levers and trying to get the whole bullpen and drafting holds, but just getting positions that there's uncertainty, it just makes a lot of sense. I was doing the same thing in Minnesota. Like, who knows the four or five starters are going to be. I grabbed, like you mentioned, Balls. You said his name a lot better than I did. Yeah, that's a good pick. I didn't even try to say it. I took him, Smeltzer, Duran. If I get one of those guys to be a starter, you know, that's what I'm kind of looking for. And I think it's a great idea. Not even just arms. I think like they did with their bats. And this goes back to um, I was in a, a foot. You know, I'm going to pin it back to football just because football season's ending. Ending. There's a podcast, and they were drafting in like you know in the big middle towards the end of the year, and there was uncertainty with the Kansas City running back position. You know, you take Ceh, and then the guy just said, "Take all the running backs. Take Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams. You never know who's going to be the backup, but don't you? Right. You never know what's going to happen. And those guys, if one of those guys hits, you can have a starting running back and the best offense in the league. So the same thing in drafting holds, like. Take handcuffs, but don't, you know, take a position where you think it could be. Yeah, I think with those guys specifically, the part of the reason I said it, too, is I really think Miami is kind of on that youth movement type thing. And uh, I just feel like a lot they're going to have even more guys up this year, potentially one or both of them, uh, maybe another couple pitchers. They yep. got Edward Cabrera, Max, Max Meyer. I mean, no, there's guys that could be up. So and I think that they're just going to be doing that because now they've seeing that they can compete and whether that was real or not over a long season, we're about to find out, but I just think either way, they're going to be kind of pushing in that direction going forward. So I like a lot of the Marlins guys that are anywhere close to the majors that you may not project for a ton of at bats out of the gate, but you can kind of squint and see them getting it, you know, as you get into May and June or whatever. So I like, uh, I like a lot of those guys on that team. Um, any other, any other thoughts? I mean, we kind of wrap it up here. So how do you, uh, Oh, I have, I have another question. I'm sorry, Chris, who, who's your number one pitcher in redraft? Uh, it's Jacob DeGrom, DeGrom. Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. After seeing how this draft unfolded, if it was an option, would you swap out Ronald Acuna for Jacob DeGrom? No, I wouldn't, just because I kind of, after I had to piggyback from my plan when I didn't get the pitcher in round two or three, I think I did a good enough job with the amount of pitchers that I got that hopefully a couple of them hit and I'll be okay. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to finish maybe, you know, getting 13, 14, 15 points in those categories, but hopefully I can, you know, get some nines and tens and my offense gets those, those 14, 15s that I can win the league. That's what I'm hoping. 
Yeah, I got to say, you that was, it, you were in a tough spot. I really, like, I thought you did good with where you were at because it was tough. I mean, like at 2-3, I couldn't have taken those pitchers either. Hmm. I've looked at I've looked at it and and you're you know I wasn't gonna, I wouldn't take one one either so um you kind of just take what comes to you but the pitchers definitely didn't come to you that's yeah it's just uh, yeah it's tough there's not really much you can do there on the end um Justin after round thirty five you took zero starters do you think you have enough innings? Yeah, I do. I feel pretty good about the my starting guys in my lineup that you know in the first my before we get to the reserve rounds and when we got to the reserve rounds like I mentioned before, Wainwright, Quintana, Nicholas, um and Duffy and then the upside play slash David Price insurance with Josiah Gray. I, I mentioned Wainwright twice. I'm wondering if I'm forgetting somebody as I that I look cuz I mentioned him twice. Uh, Quintana, Nicholas, Duffy, Wainwright. No, those four plus Gray. I'm like, okay, I've got, I've got, um, three starters in Wainwright, Quintana, Nicholas, and Duffy. Actually, four starters that I think will throw 150 plus innings, assuming we get a full season, which now I'm not as certain. To where, yeah, I feel like I've got enough starters, but that said, maybe I would have taken one more if I went back at it. My Goal, I do have 11 pitchers total on my bench. And like I said before, I want to make sure I have two full lineups to where I, yeah, I'm I'm okay with it because I got guys, I, I the, the starters I got on my bench I think are going to be good for innings. And I've got a lot of closer spec guys. If by any chance that does not work out, I do have a lot of closer or relievers to throw in there too. Yeah, yeah, and it's never a bad thing to throw in relievers, especially for like, six seventh starters in a in a draft and hold and that was my thought process let's be let's be honest those guys get rocked a lot so that's what i was looking at when i was looking at those last few rounds and i was looking at starters i'm like man do i i i've drafted mike fires in a lot of draft and holds the last few years and it sucks putting him in the lineup i just feel better like getting a couple guys that i think will be steady enough that i can just put them in there if if it gets bad or if if I need somebody, they're going to have an ERA, hopefully at least in the fours, and not be trying to throw these five, six ERA guys that just frustrate year after year to where, yeah, I'd rather just grab a bunch of relievers at that point. Yeah, no, I totally get that. How do you, uh, how do you guys feel about your teams um, now that we're kind of wrapping up here? Start with, start with Chris. Yeah, so if I win this league, it's going to come down to my pitching. Um, like I mentioned, I don't have a lot of those those top aces. So I got to get those pitching guys. Like, those guys need to perform really well for me to succeed. And if I, if I finish in the bottom, it's just because my pitching doesn't come through for me. Um, so I'm relying on my pitchers just because where I'm at. Um, I really like my hitting. I think I, you know, I piggybacked well. Or not piggyback. I just kind of did a good job understanding where I was at and – just have to hit on these pitchers in rounds, you know, 25 through 50. Because I have a lot of them. Like, I know Justin said. Yeah, you did know. You did draft a lot of pitchers in and there. I did. Um, like Justin mentioned, I think he said, I forgot exactly. What's your numbers, Justin, your breakdown for hitters, hitters versus pitchers um, in this draft? For my total team or my goal? Yeah, your total team. Uh, I honestly don't have it right. I have 11. I guess I have 20 pitchers, so that would be yeah. 30, yeah, 30 so and 20. 30 hitters, yeah. 30, 20. 
I'm 25-25 just because I trust my hitting so much. I can understand that. If I lose that. one of my hitters, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be out of it anyways. And I think that's a good strategy I had in this, just trying to hit on these late-round pitchers. So I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm just going to come down to pitching with me because my hitting is really good. I think I projected on just using steamer, like 380 home runs and like 130 stolen bases. So I, I'm projecting really well using steamer for a full season. So it's just going to come down to what I can do on the pitching staff. Yeah, Chris kind of answered it, but just going back to Justin, if I finish in the top third, blank happened, and if I finish in the bottom third, blank happened. Chris kind of covered it, but we'll go to Justin for this one. Um, if I finish in the top top third, my veteran hitters rebounded. I didn't even spend much time talking about that earlier. I really like the balance on my team. I would, Cole and Castillo set the table for me. And it allowed me, I mean, I just took bats that kind of got there for me. I took a lot of veterans that were on coming off of down years. And if quite a few of them rebound, because again, we're talking about a 60 game sample. That was a weird year. I just, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that Arenado, Altuve, JD Martinez, um, VR, these guys are as bad as they all going to be as bad as they showed. And maybe one of them will end up being. But I just I think I think that we're gonna see some rebounds out of those guys. And if so, I think that I've got a good shot, along with the fact that Krinchek has gotta be a top I gotta have the top, a good closer on the Indians that maybe as soon as staying healthy. Those are a couple things that if I finish at the top, I think those happened. You know the one thing I wish you did? What's that? I wish you took your SP three sooner and i think your team would be dynamite yeah Hmm. and i and i only i only say that because like when you top it with colin castillo obviously that's a monster start but um yeah i just would have i would have jumped back in sooner than waiting till round 10 honestly it doesn't bother me. but it's fine i mean i'm not obviously like it's it's still a good staff when you start it like that i just feel like if I think between like Cruz and JD, I would have taken a pitcher somewhere in there, like five, six, and maybe only taken one of those two. And I still feel like you'd have enough power. Yeah. So, but Carrasco, I could see myself taking in the fifth round if it if I decided I was going that route. Yeah, this, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not necessarily saying specific names, and I'm not. I'm not even saying those picks weren't good because I actually liked both of those guys in those in that spot. But just. Um, yeah, I feel like SP three a little higher. I would, I, I feel like the pitching staff would just be ridiculous. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted to make up for the fact that you know didn't take bats early on. Waiting, yeah, and right. I, I got, I want to make up for it with these bats that I think have the potential to be better than they are, and because I'm, I'm playing ahead when I'm starting with Cole and Castillo. I just didn't want to overkill it personally. Yeah. What was your guys's? Um kind of favorite and least favorite picks of the draft that you made yourself or anyone else's if you want to rip on somebody else or <laughs> whatever you want to do <laughs> Chris you go first um I guess I liked you know Jeff McNeil where he's going end of round eight um just because of the position flexibility that batting average you know 20 you know maybe 2010 28 um, 20 home runs eight stolen bases I like that spot the position flexibility, we didn't mention a lot today, but um, as people know, draft and holds, you want guys that you can fill in other places. 
and McNeil qualifies in three of them, outfield, second base, and third. Um, and I do like the turn that I did in 14-15 with Schwarber and Senzel. I like Nick Senzel a lot this year. Um, yeah. I really, really think he can go 20-20. Yeah, I do um, too. And a uh, pitcher I grabbed around 36 I kind of like was Johnny Cueto, like uh, maybe Homer, but not really. I never really draft Giants because they're not very good right now. <laughs> um, but um, Cueto there, you know he's going to pitch. He's going to get innings. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be, he's gonna be there. He's gonna do what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. I've taken so. him in both of mine. I, yeah, late innings. I mean, that's really all it is. So, and I didn't um, least favorite pick overall. He wanted me to mention it anyways. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention it later when we talk about favorite teams. But yeah, yeah. What about you, Justin? Favorite and least favorite picks um, on your team? Favorites or others? Uh, uh, favorite also. I think I've mentioned most of the ones I really like. I like Eric Hosmer for the value. I Oh, I, here's one. Colton Wong. Um, Colton Wong, I forgot. I even took him. I just now... Round, round 22. Yeah, that's my middle infielder, and I think the fact that he's a free agent also is is a reason why yeah. he's that low to where... Totally, totally agree. Yeah, I think that's a t- 10, 15 home run, 20, 25 steal guy possibly, and getting him that late, that's... I loved getting him there. Um, and then I really liked getting Altuve in the seventh round. I just think that that's a big enough of a discount. Yeah, I'm not projecting even 15 steals out of the guy. I wouldn't project it. But I, it's just hard for me to believe with COVID and everything the Astros had coming their, coming their way because of um, all of the allegations that they were caught with uh, the Spygate. What what did they call it? I'm now trying to – we'll just call it Spygate and – when they got caught with that, they had a lot of heat this offseason. I just think a offseason to refresh. I expect a lot of those Astros to come back and improve. And, yeah, I like that one too. But Colton Wong, that'll be my – That's that was one of my favorites. What's your, what's your one you regret? Or well, I think I've mentioned one? it. Aaron Otto, I think I wish I had done differently to where that would have changed my third and fourth round pick. But – Outside of those, I've, I I don't know if I have many others, but those that that was a real big one for me. Yeah, it's hard to regret the late ones. It's more kind of a mm-hmm. look at the early rounds. But what about? Did you say a least favorite, Chris, for your own team? Uh, yeah, I guess my least favorite. I'm just looking at now. I I didn't really Michael Chavis. I wasn't quite sure. I think I took him because he has second base and first base. First base, yeah. Yeah, I really wanted Yuli Guriel um, just because in that same round I got sniped a little bit on there. I'm looking if there's someone I would have taken around 25 ahead of him. Um, I just I think I like first base, second base because Evan White went later. Brandon Belt. I think it was because of the position flexibility there, and just getting some power from you know if I needed it. I didn't really want a first base because I had Santana and, and uh, Rizzo, so I'm thinking yeah. because I took him because of the position flexibility there. All but right, it wasn't ideal. You, yeah, you can uh, you can't pick your own team, but. Who is your favorite team in this draft? If you had to pick one that's not your own, well, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the ideal start, and I really like what Lucas did. I really did. Um, Trevor Story, Sterling Marte, just in rounds one and three, and then he he went and kind of what you mentioned earlier, Andrew. He got the three starters in the first five rounds. He went Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn, and then Ryu, and then he followed up with an elite closer. And then he just filled in with power and filled in his bats and rounds, you know, seven through 13. Got a second closer. I think that's an ideal 
what you want to do ideally on paper in this draft, get those power speed guys up top, get your starting pitching, get two closers, you know, and have that all done. Another guy I like too is Graham. I liked what he did in the, um, I think he was uh, picking eight. Um, You know, the same kind of idea, getting Bieber and then following up with power speed guys in two, three and Tucker and Anderson with another starter and Zach Blusak. Maybe not the starter I would have picked, but I think it's good just to get those two starters. Um, He did really good. I liked his rounds. And then around 11, when we talked about least favorite picks, he was really upset too. Um, He's just, he wants to hope that Clint Frazier gets the spot. I think that was a little bit early. There's a lot of guys I like ahead of him. I would have taken Ian Happ, who went two picks later. I think that would have fit his team a little better than taking a risk like Clint Frazier in that spot. But I really like what Graham and Lucas did. I think that's the ideal. What they did was what I want to do ideally in a draft and hold right now. What about you, Justin? Favorite team besides your own? Man, if I say Lucas and we're both picking Lucas, because that's who I wrote down, <laughs> this is yeah. not good. Um, he's gonna can be, we make oh, sure he doesn't listen so to this? Uh, you know he's gonna listen. He's gonna say shot right away. Yeah. Wait till you wait till you hear my answer. Yeah, I already it's know Lucas, your answer. Yeah. yeah, Lucas had a really good draft. I really like the way the draft fell together for him, especially in the early going. Story, Bauer, Marte. I love that top three. Lynn in the fourth. Ryu, I'm not. I don't love Ryu in the fifth. But again, going right back to he got Chapman for me to where I just I love that start. If I could have somebody other than Ryu in that fifth round spot, I mean, yeah, I would trade him in a heartbeat for those first five picks. Yeah, I, if you take Carrasco there instead of Ryu, it's like almost, yes. it's like yeah, yeah, that's a dynamite group right there. Or, or Barrios, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, and Andrew, go on and say it. Yeah, yeah, Lucas is mine. Um, pretty, pretty much what you guys said. I don't I don't love the Muncie pick. I didn't I didn't love the Ryu pick when he made it, but Ryu's fine there. I mean he's fine. It's not anything that's that exciting, but he's fine. And I just feel like he got the power speed. Yeah. He got the aces. He got the closers. And the other thing, like Kimbrell's a second closer and he got him in round fourteen. And I know everybody thinks Kimbrell sucks and he's had his rough stretches for sure. But down the stretch he was quietly pretty good. And on top of that, I feel like the leash is just so long. I mean, he's getting paid and it's, he should get saves. And I mean, this time of year when you're guessing on all of these guys, I mean, like Mike Mayers went the round before Kirby Yates went the round before Mark Melanson went the round before, like they're not locked into any saves necessarily, you know? So I just think Kimbrell's probably going to get him. And as your second closer, when Chapman's your first, it's really good. Filled in batting average and power and got the speed guys at the top. So, And I even like the arms that he filled out with, like Molly and Haney and um, Davies, Mize, just kind of all the way down. So I thought Lucas did really good. Um, There's other teams, though, that were good, too. I mean, it's just, of course, we all had to pick the same guys, so he's probably (laughs) That really says a lot for what we think of a draft <laughs> well no going it's the importance which i want to you know we have this great facebook page and we have a lot of people out there in the fantasy baseball community it's really important to do these draft and holds right now um this is my play this is my prep work you know um get a get 14 of your buddies and each to low one 10 bucks and it's a lot better than a mock draft this is not lucas's first draft this season yeah and you can tell 
because he, he knows the player pool. He knows how to build a roster, and you can see it. And I think this is the importance of doing draft and holds right now. I know Justin's going to fire up a new one coming up, you know, after the new year or after Christmas. And I think that's you got to get into them because it's better than a mock draft, and it's just ten bucks, and it's not too much work um, during the season. Yeah, so much of it in these drafts, especially draft and holds specifically, because you only have your team to work from. So much of it is team building. Yep. It's not, it's not just, um, and I know, you know, people will say like that's cliche or whatever, but it's the truth. I mean, there's guys like, and I'll just use Arenado because we talked about him, but like when you're building around guys in the upper part of the draft that don't steal any bases, well, you have to have a plan for, okay, now how am I going to get my stolen bases? If you haven't, you know, if you're not taking Mondesi and you're not taking Robert and you're not taking um, Buxton or whoever, you know, Buxton goes a little bit lower in VR and those guys, but, you know, Robles, there's just the guys at the top of the draft that steal bases, they go quick. They're gone. So it's like you're either getting pitching, you're getting those guys, or you've got to be creative a little bit. Um, And I just – feel like if you know if you ever hear me or i don't know about you guys but saying that i don't love that guy at his price it's probably a team building thing more than it is just ripping on the player because obviously like i know somebody like nolan arenado is awesome i mean there's nothing there's nothing negative to really say about him i think if he's in cores next year he's totally fine but i know he isn't stealing any bases and you know there's couple small question marks maybe so and just that, things and to that think leads about to more as question you're, marks because i'm probably not taking vr in the ninth round i don't know if i am if i'm taking if, yeah there's a trickle down you know you, it does it like trickles down to the rest of the team when you take guys that high like seager's another one and i know chris took him in round at the end of round four and i think seager's really good but he's also a middle infielder that doesn't run so you have to like build around that because most middle infielders are giving you sto- some semblance of stolen bases. Unfortunately, and if you've got Acuna and Albi, so that work that's okay. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, and that's yeah. But like where Seeger's going in other drafts in like round two, like I'm I'm no. not in. I'm just not I'm just not taking him in round two or even round three. But um yeah, just kind of thoughts on those on those guys, especially in, in position positions where a lot of people are getting steals. I feel like you kind of have to address that early because it, it just dries up real quick. Yep. Agreed. All right. Any, uh, any other thoughts or. No, other than great job, Andrew, this is not the typical role you take. And yeah, it's a little, been a little, little backwards tonight, <laughs> but Hey, we're, <laughs> Yeah, you get to learn a couple things. I, I though I don't remember if this will be because we're gonna definitely have this split in two. So this will be the second show. That I don't know if it was the first or the second one where um, you finished talking and then nobody talked for a moment. And you just kind of had to. It's like yeah, you learn yeah, sometimes. You just this. stop talking. If you hear a second pause, you just start talking again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely happens. So again, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Chris for coming on and doing this. Thank you for setting this up second year in a row. This is great. And you've definitely made this an addiction for me. Like you said, I've 
started my own draft and hold next week. And honestly, when that thing finishes up two or three weeks later, I'm probably going to do another. You've, you've, maybe this is a problem because <laughs> especially whenever I don't know when we even are starting baseball, I'm not going to be setting up my redraft leagues uh, to be drafting until I know when we're actually having a season to where I might just be doing draft and holds all winter. We'll see, but this is great. And I think it was great about the, you know, this is a good starting point to let us actually know what we need to do for the, for our other drafts that are a little more expensive as we get further into the off season. Yeah. Thanks again for having me guys. Um, this is great. I love coming on. I love being part of these draft and holds with you guys. And I thought it was a great idea just take 14 of our buddies in our dynasty league and just run a draft and hold. And like I mentioned earlier, guys, this is the way to do draft prep. Um, this is the way you see roster construction. You know, Justin learned so much with his Arenado pick. Um, you know, I, you know, just things like that you can pick up on. Find 14 of your buddies, agree on a price, and just move forward. You know, I think Lou Landers is starting ones, just knocking them out $5 and just keep going. So come join us in the Baseball, baseball 365 Facebook page and get into a draft and hold and start your prep there. Yeah, that's a great plug right there. <laughs> Don't think I could have done that better. Um, yeah, right now I'm going to, I just put a post up tonight that, and I'm sure they're going to be going on more and more over the course of this next month or two where draft and holds are going to go on. And if you've never played in one, cause I had a buddy message me on Twitter tonight who had seen my post and I told him about why I really like the draft and hold format and he had never done one and he's getting in this league. It's a really fun format, especially if you're if you're busy, because a lot of us get in a lot of leagues, and then if you've got too many fabs to do on Sunday or too many le- leagues to have to make pickups every day if you're actually in a first-come, first-serve league, it can be a little overwhelming. That's the fun part of these draft and holds is you draft your team, and then all you have to do is show up on Sunday and set your lineup and just takes less maintenance, and just it's a different kind of game. Hey, Justin, the best part of these drafts is you tell your wife it's only half a draft, so you, you don't feel as bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that worked with my wife. She's like, wait, what? Wait, you're <laughs> drafting in December? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just thinks I have problems. All, this whole last weekend, I was making dynasty trades in my other league, in my other dynasty league, and she's just like, you're in your phone all weekend. I'm like, yeah, but I'm making big trades right now, and I'm, 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 I, I just rec- acquired JT Real Muto, and she's like, "What does that mean for our house?" I'm like, "Nothing, but I'm, I, it means a lot for my dynasty team." She yeah, I had a care. big, you know, I had a big party at my house the other day when I, you know, executed that that three way trade. So I was jumping <laughs> up and down to my house. Yes, yes, um, we had our Roto Masters three way trade going on that we were all talking about all last week with Wender. But anyways, we need to get out of here because we've been rambling long enough. But thank you guys for doing this. And I hope you guys both have a Merry Christmas. And Andrew? Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, Chris, for coming on. Yeah, yeah of course. Thanks for having me. Merry setting Christmas, up, guys. Setting up the league and all that. So, yeah, I, Merry Christmas. And Andrew, I didn't even realize until about 10 minutes ago. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're almost to position rankings time because usually right after the new year we start that. So, yep. man, that's coming up. Yeah, my goal is to have an updated constitution out for the Dynasty Leagues by right about New Year's Day, and then I'm going to do 
one more NFBC draft and hold before sub drafts. So there we go. Kind of got a layout here. I'm hoping to execute it. We keep the off season busy. Let's just hope the off season isn't too long. And I mean, as yeah. in we can get some baseball by April or May. Gosh, I just don't want to see a late start. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I'm not. I'm not feeling uh, negative. Too negative about it yet. Man, I I am. I th- I think we're getting 120, 140 games. I hope that's, you're right. That, I honestly, that's okay. Like, yeah. that's all right. Yeah, and I'm I, not. I'm not going to be. I don't think we're. I mean, we had 60. 60 last year. I I was hoping for 162, but I I think it'll be fine. Even if it's 120, 140, that's good. Yeah. Well, Chris, you went all quiet over there. Do you? How many do you think we end up? Do you have any real thoughts on that before we get out of here? Here, I keep saying. Yeah, let's I get think one. 120 sounds about right. It is frustrating when these other sports teams or sports leagues are getting off, but they're doing other things. I saw hockey is breaking it up by geographics. I know NBA shortened their season. They start next week. Um, it's just a little frustrating, you know, as a baseball fan, you just hear owners complaining about this and that. So I think about 120. I just, it's a little bargaining, which is very frustrating, but I think 120 sounds about right. Like a May, middle of May start, maybe. Yeah. And with that, I think I'm going to need to rethink a few of my draft strategies uh, for these future drafts also, because I think you brought a good point during the show. I'm going to have way too many teams by then. (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to do with all this free time? Do more drafts. (laughs) And we'll be here to talk about them all offseason. So, again, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. Thanks again, Chris. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.